Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is Judah, and it is uh, with great excitement that I get to reintroduce to you a collection of sermons and messages we did 10 years ago entitled Jesus Is. And we endeavored to finish that sentence, to fill in that blank. And the journey began, and it really became my life passion and life mission. It became a book and a resource that you can still pick up. Also, you can find more of these talks on our YouTube channel. And if there's any way we can serve you, please look us up on Pastor Chat. And I hope that you enjoy these messages. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We'll begin reading here in verse 1. Read about verse 14. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which were performed on those who were diseased. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with the disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said this to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Listen closely now. Now this he said to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Let me just say something right up front here. God knows what God's going to do. Anytime God asks you what you're going to do, he's not asking because he he needs hints or ideas on what he should do. He knows what he's going to do, and when he asks you what are you going to do, it's because you should do what he's going to do. It's a good little sermon right there. But that's, that's what's going on. So Philip answered. Philip got tricked. He answered. He says, well, uh, he gets out a laptop real quick, gets a spreadsheet out. He says, I have calculations, 200 denarii worth of bread's not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. Then one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, well, I, I got an idea. I found this kid, um, and he's got a lunch. I actually took the lunch and looked in the brown bag and counted and kind of saw what he had. And here's what I discovered. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish. Um, never mind, I'm an idiot. There's 10,000 people here. That was dumb. That's basically what happens, okay? Then Jesus says, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. So just the men number 5,000. You count the women and kids. We probably have at least 10,000 people here. Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples of those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, you will notice that reoccurring theme in John's gospel He starts out the gospel talking about how full Jesus is. Jesus is full of grace and truth and the mandate and the mission of Jesus to fill humanity. The words full and fill and filled are throughout John's gospel. And here it is again. The people ate until they were filled. That's how Jesus works. And he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments so that that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Isn't that beautiful? I want to speak to you this afternoon now on the subject, Jesus is my provision. Jesus is my provision. And I want to zero in on the part of your life that deals with resources, provision, finances, and money. 
Now, the third most talked about subject by Jesus in his life and ministry on this planet was money. Why? Because Jesus, in his word, connects for us our money in our heart. The Bible teaches that where our treasure is, where our money is, our finances, our resources are, that's where our heart will be. That's where our emotions, our attention, our passion, our, our, our feelings are intrinsically connected to our bank account, if you will. So we're going to approach the subject of resources and finances, in which I rarely talk about, but we're going to approach this, but I want you to know that what we're really talking about is our heart. The reason Jesus talks so much about finance is because not because he needs money, but he wants your heart. I want to talk about this. Well, it's a hard issue, isn't it? It comes to resources and finances and provision and your checkings and your savings and your income and your debts and these things and credit cards and the stuff of life. There's so much of our heart is wrapped up in this aspect of our existence on this planet. Would you pray with me? Father, as we approach your word, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to see Jesus. Help us today to see you as our supernatural provider. Thank you for your grace, for your love for us in this beautiful sunshine. And I pray on September 15th, God, that the Seattle Seahawks would metaphorically dismember the San Francisco 49ers. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I meant that with all my heart. Have you ever, uh, have you ever danced with a stranger? Have you ever danced with a stranger? I'm not, I'm not referring to you literally asking a stranger to dance. That's, there's a whole other message for that. But um, have you ever unintentionally danced with a stranger? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, this just happened to me yesterday. And it, it's because I think the assistance of cellular devices now, we're all talking and not oftentimes paying attention. Like a new law is going to be passed soon. No walking and talking on your cell phone aloud. You know what I mean? It's like it, that, that, this too causes collisions. And um, so I was talking, and, and I'm not a multitasker. I'm the furthest thing there has ever been from a multitasker, okay? I can't do it. So I've got to stop what I'm doing to start. So when I'm talking on the phone, like I'm the guy, I've got to go to like some other space and just like pace back and forth because I'm just focused. So I'm on my cell phone, probably talking to my wife because I'm always communicating with her because communication is key to a great marriage. So we're talking, you know, I'm just building my marriage, just just bettering my marriage, okay? And I'm walking, and I look up, and, and me and this fine, nice, sweet, kind gentleman, um, we almost kiss. <laughs> and I, like, I wasn't looking to do that, you know? I, I, that's not what I was there for. And um, so, I'm, and we, we're like, whoa, hey, sorry. And, and we both go this way. And then we both go this way. And then I drop the phone and go, which, which way are you going to go? Because I'll go the opposite way. Come on. How many of that's ever happened to? Be honest in church, okay? And the rest of you don't live on planet Earth. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever danced with a stranger? It's, it's, of course, it's unintentional. But see, in John chapter 6, Jesus is intentionally dancing with Philip, if you will. If you will. The Bible says... We've got probably 10,000 people with that hungry look in their face. They're looking to Jesus 
to serve them, feed them. They're hungry. They need food. And Jesus poses a question to Philip. It's a setup. I'm telling you, it's a setup. He says, Philip, he said, I've got a question for you. Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, let me just give you a little heads up here. Jesus is not, he has no intention of buying anything. He's not going to buy anything. When you're God, you don't have to buy anything. You can make it. <laughs> right? But poor Philip, he doesn't know that. Because the Bible says it's a test. Now in the Greek, the original language here, the word test there means to test, to see which way someone's going to go. Jesus intentionally approaches Philip, uses him kind of as his lab rat, as a representation to his 11 other disciples, and ultimately now us as his disciples, later as it's recorded in ancient scripture, we can see Philip as a type of you and me. He gets in front of Philip intentionally and goes, which way are you going to go, Philip? When it comes to your finances, which way, which, which way are you going to go? He says there's thousands of people and they're hungry. Let me ask you a question. Where should we buy bread? So that these may eat. Now, as Christians, let me talk to Jesus followers for a moment that are here, Kirkland, U District, Belltown, Alderwood. We are really good at being Jesus-centric and spiritual when it comes to most of life. Like, I'm really good at being spiritual at church. I'll be honest with you, I'm really good at it. Like, I just, I feel like I just think about Jesus a lot at church. I'm really good. Even driving to church, I'm really good. Like, I'll be in a prayerful posture. And, I mean, I'm just really good at that. And then post-church service, I'm really good at it. I can even be good, like, you know, in the mornings, having coffee, reading my Bible a little bit, talking to God. Like, I'm really good. Even, even like, disciplining my kids, I'm, I can get pretty, I'd be pretty spiritual and stuff, but there's one element of life that often eliminates all spirituality. It's the issue of money. I mean, relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I can do pretty well at kind of making Jesus the big deal, but when it comes to financially, I become an instant atheist. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, emotionally, I'm functioning like an atheist. I'm functioning like there is no God. I am the God of my money. And I must save my money. And I must fix my money. And I must make more money. This is not working. Something about finances, resources, money. Money is so natural to us, we don't even like talking about it in church. Because money shouldn't be talked about. Money is connected to your heart. As a community, we must address the subject that is so intrinsically connected to the core of who we are. Money has much to do with the life we live on this planet, and God is concerned about the life you live on this planet. But how quickly, when it comes to provision and finances, I wonder if God wants to know, which way, which, which way are you going to go? And what does Philip do? He instantly, his knee-jerk reaction is natural. His knee-jerk reaction is logic. His knee-jerk reaction is reason. His knee-jerk reaction is 
the mentality of just enough. Listen to his verbiage. He goes, well, based on my calculations, he throws out this arbitrary number. 200 denarii, um, based on what I'm thinking here, we could, I'm, I'm trying to calculate 10,200 denarii bread. I get a deal from this guy. He can give me to me at cost. We could get everybody. It's only just a little. I'm just thinking if we get everybody a little, this is, uh, no, I got nothing. It's not going to work. And then Andrew kind of saves Philip. Philip's got to be feeling really dumb right now, really dumb, okay? Philip's like, that was stupid. Why did I even say that? And then Andrew's like, I got a, I got a great idea. I saw this kid. He's a friend of a friend, and uh, he's got this lunch. And, you know, since we got 10,000 people, we got five barley loaves, two fish. I'm an idiot. Never mind. That was dumb. Sorry. But Philip was grateful because it kind of distracted from his dumb comment, you know? <laughs> this is indicative of you and me. When faced with financial issues in this life, Jesus is present. Jesus is with us. But we instantly go to spreadsheets and Lunchables. Well, I could kind of divvy up the little turkey slices and you could have one bite of applesauce and I'll have two. Who gets the apple slices? You know, I mean... And, and instantly, now let's, let's give Philip a little bit of credit here, okay? The spreadsheet guy, okay? He, he's been raised his entire existence with the old way, as Jesus would call it. The old way, which is he's been trying to adhere to 200-some laws in the Jewish customs and traditions and teachings. He has been trying to be strict and, 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 and legalistic. And this has been his whole life. This is all he's ever known. And Jesus is testing him. When it comes to finances, are you going to go back to the legalistic, logical, just enough old way? Or are you going to realize that now that I'm in your life and now that I'm available to you and now that I am here, there is a new way even to approach your money. Now, Philip speaks up, Andrew speaks up, and then Jesus speaks up. Now, in true Jesus fashion, he doesn't even respond to the ridiculous ideas of Philip and Andrew. Like, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, Philip, ridiculous. Andrew, you're an idiot. Now, listen closely. You know, but he doesn't say that. He just, kind of like he didn't even hear him. He goes, make the people sit down. Uh, wait, and, 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 uh, just... Just make the people sit down. Now, what's about to unfold in front of us is one of the great examples, bombastic demonstrations of God's supernatural providing power. These 12 young disciples are about to get a courtside seat to God's providing power. They are about to discover that when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, it will even dramatically affect bread Fish and water. God's power can even help you practically. These guys are about to learn. They are going to get a front row courtside seat to one of the great demonstrations in human history of God's supernatural providing power. And it starts how? This example begins and Jesus says, here's where it starts. Everyone needs to sit down. I want you to think about that. I want to share with you five distinctives of the Jesus way in terms of your finances. Five distinctives of not the old way, 
Not the logical way. Not the just enough way. Not the spreadsheet way. Not against spreadsheets. Just using it as a metaphor. But five distinctives of the Jesus way. I want to forewarn you about the Jesus way. First of all, here's a good thing about the Jesus way. The Jesus way is like a jet stream. And when you get in the Jesus way, the wind will be at your back. And man, you will feel wind at your back and you will go places at speeds you never thought possible. But just like a jet stream, there is G-force. And one thing about the Jesus way is it is always, and I underscore always, stretching. It's always, oh, what am I doing? This is crazy. Oh, yeah, this is stupid. I need money and I'm giving it away. Ha! (laughs) Always stretching. Always stretching. The Jesus way in any area of your life, but especially in the area of resources, finances, and money, it is always stretching. Here's where the first stretch mark appears. Jesus says, sit down. I want you to sit down. Sit down. How unorthodox. How illogical. How counterintuitive. You're hungry. You need something. You're in lack. Sit down. If I'm in lack, I'm hungry, I need something, the last thing I should do is sit down. I need to get up and get going. Jesus says, make the people sit down. The first distinctive of the Jesus way in terms of your resources and your finances, it starts with resting in his more than enoughness. Rejecting anxiety, worry, and fear in the area of your resources and your finances. Realizing that God has been providing for humanity since the beginning of time and he's got a pretty good record. That he will take care of you. One scripture says he clothes the lily of the valley. Think about it. He, he clothes trees with leaves and bushes and grass and flowers and he'll clothe you. He'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. There's got to be a profound peace for those of us that are Jesus followers. When it comes to our resources and our finances, this is where the journey begins. We stay in the jet stream with the wind at our back when we lean into him and say, God, you are my sufficiency. You are my provider. You are my ultimate source. And I will lean on you and I will trust in you and I will rely in you and I will reject fear. I will reject doubt. I will reject anxiety. I will reject fear. I am not going to live this Why? Starts with sitting down. You know, the whole spiritual life actually with Jesus starts in the position of sitting. You know, accepting Jesus starts with sitting and letting him serve you. Not you standing, pacing, running, trying to serve him. It starts with you sitting and saying, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross And I yield and I rest as you serve me new life and new meaning and forgiveness. This is where the whole journey with Jesus begins. And of course, in the same way, even in our finances, rest. You know, if what's funny about life is, you know, emotionally you can be sitting. Relationally you can be sitting. Different areas of our life we can have great peace and rest. 
But then in another area of our life, there's so much angst. I mean, you can be like Jesus when it comes to relational issues of your life. But be like the other guy who lives down there when it comes to money. Just so worried. Sitting in other areas, but standing and pacing when it comes to finances. God wants you to experience peace in every area of your life. I pray today that you'd walk out of here sitting down. Second distinctive that we can see, which that's just kind of distinctive 101. We've got to rest in his sufficiency and his more than enoughness. But the second distinctive, I'm warning you now, it's about to get crazy. I want you to consider now the implications. Jesus tells the disciples, go sit the multitude down. Now, you have to understand the cultural context of these 10,000 people. They're living in this ancient time, an ancient time where there is no fast food whatsoever. Nobody eats on the run, okay? There's no like, you know, squeeze the applesauce into your mouth, okay? Some of my new favorite inventions, by the way. But this is, this, nothing's on the go here. There's no like milk cartons, okay? This is, this is all, you know, prepared on the spot and eating is a two, three, four hour ordeal. Now, they're hungry, Everyone's hungry. Jesus knows they're hungry. And they know Jesus knows that they're hungry. Jesus says, make them sit down. Now, when they are being seated, immediately they would assume we are being seated so we can be served food. Now, everything sounds, that's reasonable, except that there's no food. So the disciples... Now, the people don't know this, but the disciples do. They're walking around sitting people down, and there's got to be a few, a few sharp crayons in the box out of 10,000 people. There's got to be a few obstinate, rebellious, you know, full-grown men who won't just take orders for no reason. There's got to be somebody in the crowd that goes, who are you? Peter, nice to meet you. Well, I'm Bill. I'm a grown man. I won't sit unless I want to sit. And if I'm going to sit, am I going to get for some food? Because I'm not sitting unless I want to sit. And if I sit... I expect to be served because I'm hungry. So you're going to serve me? But can you admit, there had to be some people there who were putting two and two together. They're sitting us down, and they better be giving us some food. But what people don't know is, we don't really have any food. We got a Lunchable that will barely feed one grown man. We don't have any food, but... Jesus says, make them sit down. Now, here's what I'd say to Jesus. I'd say, Jesus, I think this is a fantastic idea. I recommend sitting people down before they eat. But here's the deal. I'm going to make the people sit down when you start making the food. Okay? So, so pump out a few loaves for me real quick. Just real quick. Show me how you do that. I prefer sourdough, too. Pump it out. Yep, there's one, two, four, five loaves. All right, that's good. I, I trust you. All right, come on. Everybody sit down. Jesus says, make the people sit down. Sit the people down. Give them the expectation of food before we even have any. Here's how the Jesus way works when it comes to your finances. You have to prepare for abundance when there is only lack. Now, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. 
I would much rather God make some food and then make me sit down. But God likes to make us sit down before there's any food. This is awkward. I mean, Peter had to have a few run-ins. And you know Peter wasn't shutting his mouth. Peter was engaging, okay? Somebody asked Peter a question. Peter was going to say something. So, so what are we having to eat? It's, it's going to be good. Just shut up and sit down. Since we're in the back, are we going to get who? When, when do we get served? Oh, I'm going to serve you something. You don't shut up. I mean, this is, this is a test of faith, is it not? telling you, I'm just warning you ahead of time, living in the Jesus way, somebody somewhere along the line is going to indict you on being kind of crazy. Like, are you living a fantasy land? Because here you are sitting down, you got your napkin in your shirt, and you got your knife out and your fork out going, whoo, it's going to be good. And there's nothing in the cupboards. Somebody somewhere is going to go, are you, hey man, I'll pay for therapy. I got a friend who's a counselor. They give me a great deal. Come on, man. Let's go. I'll drive you. Are, you. are you all? But it's a life of trust. It's a life of faith. Preparing for abundance. And one of the great ways we prepare for abundance is with our mouth. If we're talking about how broke we are all the time, it'll never help you not get broke. I can tell you that much. Well, there's never enough. I don't know. You know, I'm never going to be able to. I'm never going to. Well, you, you keep saying never and broke and joke and lack and stink. And it's probably not going to help. But you got to prepare for abundance. Now, in Los Angeles, you know, we're going to start church every Wednesday night, September 11th in Los Angeles and Hollywood. And let me just say the prices in Hollywood for buildings, church buildings are not the same as they are in Minnesota. And there's a, 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 an agent down there, and he wanted to show us a beautiful facility. Beautiful facility, right there in Beverly Hills. And God told me to, you know, just to start loving and reaching and preaching to these people in Beverly Hills. And it's grown, and hundreds of people are getting saved. It's awesome. It's exciting. So I said, well, let's go. Come on. So we got done with the Bible study, and... He said, can I show you this building? It was just kitty corner to the hotel we meet at right now. And I walked over there and it was beautiful. It's a synagogue, beautiful synagogue, right in the middle of a bar, bar's mitzvah. We're, we're walking around and, and uh, it's for sale. And I thought, man, this is beautiful. So afterward, I said, well, how much is it for sale? And he says, it's a great deal, you know. This is steel. I said, well, how much? He says, uh, $30 million. And I said, and what I, well, what I wanted to say was, $30 million? That's what I wanted to say. But instantly, I just felt stopped, don't? And I thought, I'm going to prepare for abundance with my mouth. I said, $30, I said, $30 million, that's nothing. That's easy. $30 million? Are you kidding me? That's easy for God. I said, I said, money is not the issue with our church. Money is not the issue with our community. That's not a problem. The issue is if this is where God wants us to be, because if this is where God wants us to be, $30 million is nothing. He thought, I like this church, man. I like it. 
But you know, I was 17 years old walking through this building right here with my dad. It was on sale for $8 million. And I remember walking by, our church was maybe 800 people with no million dollars. We had millions of dollars of love. And I remember walking these hallways. Little did I know that I would mow and clean every bathroom in sight. My mom would make me a janitor whether I like it or not. But I was walking the hallways and I said, Dad, what are we doing? He said, he said I, think, I think we're going to buy this, son. This is beautiful. This is, I think this is where God wants us. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, we're going to make an offer. I said, what are we going to offer? <laughs> we got nothing. Dad said, it's all right. God will provide. It's no big deal. And this church has been paid off for years. Years. Because of your sacrifice and your giving. And this, you know, this, you got to prepare for abundance, though. Walking through buildings for $8 million and you got no million and saying, I think we're going to make an offer. Some people told my dad, Sir, you are not all there. <laughs> kind of worked out. Are you preparing for abundance in your life? Are you sitting down, tucking your napkin in your shirt, getting your fork out and knife out going, okay, God, woo, it's going to be a good meal. Ready when you are. I want you to think about it. Jesus says, where are we going to buy bread enough for these? You got, Jesus just asked you, Jesus, fully God. Jesus. And you just brought up to God of the whole universe, galaxies known and unknown. You told him that you might be able to muster up 200 denarii. And you used the word that everyone might have a little. Philip, do you know who you're talking to? Did you just get your laptop out? Did you just put 200 denarii and 10,000 people on a spreadsheet? Who's crazy in this situation? Philip or Jesus? Philip. The access he has. The resource he has is in front of him in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he can't see it. Wow. Prepare for abundance, church. Realize what you have in Jesus. You have a God of more than enough. Now, things get weirder. I'm just warning you. Bible says they, well, Andrew ends up being a little bit of the hero because his idea ends up kind of being utilized. Jesus says, okay, I'll take the kids' lunch. Andrew's like, yes. (laughs) Sorry, Philip. And he, you know, somebody's like, hey, little buddy, look over there. Thanks. Okay. Jesus, here you go. Poor kid, nobody ever hears from him again, you know. (laughs) But um, it gets weird. Jesus takes five barley loaves. Those aren't big, friends, okay? Little dinner rolls. Five barley loaves and two broiled fish, okay? It's a lunch for a little guy. He holds it up in front of 10,000 plus people and his 12 young, learning, inexperienced disciples. And he says, thanks, Father. Now, if I'm a thinking man, I'm going, thanks for what? (laughs) Look at this hilarious setting. Look at this hilarious context. You're thanking God for a little boy's lunchable in front of 10,000 people who are hungry? 
Thanks, Father. Thanks. This is great. It's just amazing. This is, once again, you've clearly provided for all of these people. Are we living in the twilight zone? What are we gonna, what's going on here? I mean, if, if there was bowing of heads and closing of eyes, the disciples were looking down the road like, what? I mean, I know it's legal, but... Did you? Was it the brownies? You know, I mean, whatever, like... If that offends you, this... Get used to it, but... I mean, come on, this is, this is, this is... He's thanking the Father. For what? But that's how it works when you're in the Jesus way. Because you realize what you have, as little as it may seem, can be the key to God's miracle to meet your need in abundance. Jesus thanks the Father before the Father... Works the miracle. Here it is again. This is how it works in the Jesus way. When it comes to your resources. You develop a habit of using your mouth for generosity. Do you know how you you use your mouth generously? It's called thanksgiving. It's called gratefulness. Use your mouth generously. Give away thanksgiving to people in your world. Give away thanksgiving even to your inanimate objects. God, thank you for this car. God, thank you for this condo. Thank you for this apartment. Thank you for this jacket. Thank you that I have hair. Thank you. You know, whatever. Sorry, Lyman. But... (laughs) That was low, wasn't it? But you got... I love, like, your goatee, though. I love it, though. You thank God for the goatee. So, <laughs> um, there's always, always something to be thankful for, isn't there? Thanks, Father. Thanks. Just developing that habit. Yeah, it's hard to be grumpy and ugly and mean when you're always grateful. I mean, you've got to go out of your way to get offended with people if you're continually grateful for people. Oh, thank you for that person. Oh, thank, thank you. And sometimes you've got to like go out of your way and tell them, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. You're amazing. You're great. Generosity has an attitude and it's called gratitude. Let's develop that lifestyle. of seeing the five barley loaves and the two fish, seeing them for the miracle that they are. Thank you, Father. Now, that's the third distinctive. The fourth is Jesus starts distributing the little lunchable. My fourth distinctive is join the distribution plan of God. That's where the miracle is. Listen to me, church. Join the distribution plan. Distribution means a systematic and strategic way of sharing. God wants to share something. It's called the good news about his son. But he has a system and a strategy, and it's called the church. And the church is God's distribution plan in the earth. And when you get in on his distribution plan, the miracle manifests in your hand. Jesus gives the bread and the fish to his 12 guys. And this is what ends up happening. 
He prays over it. He starts to distribute it. They start, I want you, this literally happened. Peter, Andrew, the boys, they start, John, they start handing out bread and fish. And they're handing it out, but it's not running out. They keep handing it out. And it's not running out. They keep handing it out. But it's not running out. They keep. They, you guys got any food? Let me just. Let me just. And it's not running out. What's going on? God's distribution plan. God is so passionate about people. He will always supernaturally provide for people. If you can get in the assembly line known as the local church where God is passionate about reaching people on this planet, you can get in on the miracle. You can get in on the manifest miracle and the bread will be in your hand and you can be a part of one of being one of the distributors and you can realize that God is a supernatural provider. My passion for you as your pastor is that you can experience when the bread is in your hand. I know what it's like to have the bread in my hand and I keep giving it out, but it doesn't run out. Jesus says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Get your money involved in God's distribution plan. It is supernatural. I cannot explain it to you. And one of the reasons I don't use the word tithe much in our church is because when you're in a love relationship, percentages is not the primary focus. Jesus one time said you should tithe in Matthew 23, 23. You can look it up for yourself. One time he talked about tithe. Why? Because when you're in a romance and when you're in a love relationship, you don't talk percentages. Chelsea and I have been married for 13 years. She doesn't get 80 and I get 20. Well, she does, but we've never actually figured that out. It's just (laughs) what's mine is hers and what's hers is hers. And that's just how marriage works. But But there's no, we haven't worked out a separate checking and savings and the two are one. We're in this together. It's a love relationship. They don't have like, you know, a special allowance and for each other. There's no percentages. It's relationship. Are we going to continue to talk in terms of 10%? Are we going to continue to ask the question, how much should I give? I want to live my life and ask the question, how much should I keep? That's the question we should ask. Instead of going, how much should I give? This and this. We should say, how much should I keep? This and the rest I'll give. Telling you, I've been living in this miraculous assembly line for a lot of years. I'm not telling you something that I hadn't been participating in. I'm telling you, it is supernatural and it is miraculous when you financially, spiritually, emotionally get involved in God's distribution plan. And you know what? There is no mention of these 12 boys asking when they're going to eat. There's no mention of these 12 disciples wondering, when do I get mine? When do I get to sit down? When do I get a meal? They are so caught up. They're so enamored with the miracle that's manifesting in their hand. They're so overcome as this one little Lunchable is feeding 10,000 people. I mean, they got goosebumps. They got chills. They're thinking, this is miraculous. This is amazing. And that is exactly what it's like when you start getting involved in the local church and you start living as a missionary in your world, in your context. You start watching as God supernaturally uses your life to nourish others and feed others and empower others and help others and aid others. And you forget about yourself. And you get excited about the miracle. But the more 
you give it out, the more you realize it's not running out. And it gets gooder, you know. The Bible says at the end, everybody ate how much? As much as they wanted. That's the Jesus way. Nobody was overseeing. Whoa, 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 whoa. One serving here, sir. One serving. Thank you. No, not with Jesus. There's no lack. There's only abundance. He says, have as much as you want. As much as you want. Eat as much bread, as much fish. Just eat till you're filled. And he tells the boy, he says, all right, go get the leftovers. Watch this. They start collecting. They fill one basket. They fill two baskets. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten baskets, eleven baskets. And when they're done, they have exactly twelve baskets of bread. Well, that's just odd, isn't it? What are the chances? How many disciples are there again? We've got one, two, three, four, five, twelve. Huh. wonder if Jesus is standing there going, weird, huh, guys? we got twelve baskets of bread. Oh, I... I wonder what we shall do with these. Just can't figure it out. I wish there were 11, if you know what I mean, Judas. But, no, just kidding. He didn't say that. That's, that's not nice. Maybe Judas came to get his basket. He's like, nah, I'm going to give it to the little kid. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. But, sorry, Christian jokes, gone wild. Think about it. They're busy serving, loving, feeding, giving, giving. And when it's all said and done, they each have a basket with their name on it. It's how the distribution plan, it's, I can't explain it. God just supernaturally provides. I implore you as your pastor, get in on God's divine distribution plan. His systematic and strategic sharing of his, the good news about his son. He's doing it through the church. It's his system. It's his strategy. And if you can get in on it, reporting for duty, I'm going to pass out the bread. I want to be a part of the miracle. I'm in. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. I got so many stories filling my head. Chelsea and I have been married for 13 years and the supernatural provision that God has given us with a tax return one year was so big, it was ridiculous and it was inexplicable. So there were some complications and it wasn't because we had made so much money, but there was just an issue and it was just way too much. We didn't know how we were going to pay it. And I got a direct message from a pastor I'd never met in my whole life. I'd watched him on TV and he said, God told me to send you a gift tomorrow. I said, that's great. He said, where should I send it? I said, you can send it to the church. He goes, no, I need to, I need to overnight this. I thought, praise the Lord. He's got to overnight it. Praise God. He said, I'm going to send it right to your doorstep. I kid you not. We prayed one day and the next morning on our doorstep was the exact amount of money we needed for our tax return. That you can't make 12 baskets, 12 guys. You can, this is not a, this is not an accident. Get in on the distribution plan. It's miraculous. I'm telling you, it's miraculous. And last, Jesus says, you know, when you gather all the fragments, if you can pick up on this one phrase, it tells you why God provides. Ultimately, the passion for God's provision is what? 
It's so that no people are lost. He says, gather up the fragments so that nothing is lost. This isn't about bread as much as it's about people. He says, I want nothing lost. One thing God does not do, he does not do lost. He does not do losing. He does not do lostness. God is not into anything being lost and particularly anyone being lost. God's providing power is intrinsically connected to his passion for people to not be lost. And when you can connect your bottom line to God's finish line, when you can connect your checkings and savings to those who are lost and found, your money will take on a mission. And your money will take on meaning beyond itself. And you will find perspective and clarity and peace in the area of your finances. Instead of thinking so much about income and debts and losses, think in terms of lost and found. How can I get my money involved in God's great search for lost humanity? How can I get my money involved in God's rescue mission? How can I use my passion and my zeal and what God's gifted me to do to create income and use that income to affect the finish line of humanity? I want you to think about the honor and the privilege that you and I have. That our neutral money, neither good nor bad, it's just neutral. We can take meaningless paper and use it for eternal purposes. What a privilege. And friends, you know I'm not just talking about it. I appreciate your faithful tithes and offerings. In a moment, we're going to worship God with our resources. And I want to thank you for that. And we've got so many great endeavors that we're going to launch out. And one I've got, I'm going to share at the end today. Some exciting news that's happening for our entire church. And Vision Day, I've got some amazing announcements, some great surprises. And we're going to storm some castles this year. We're going to take some ground this year. We're going to do some new things. We're, whether you like it or not, we're going to Hollywood. We're already in Hollywood. we got Bible study this Wednesday, and several hundred people will be there. And We're seeing 20% to 25% of the people in the room are getting saved every week. God is on the move. But you know, our giving is not limited just to your community in this church, and I'm grateful that you give here, but just living a life, you know, everywhere we go, thinking in terms of lost and found, much more than checks and balances. Wow. That's what matters most, you know? It's ultimately what life is all about. I pray that, that you and I will choose not the way of reason, not the way of logic in our finances, not the way of just enough, not the way of safe, predictable, comfortable, worry, doubt, but I pray we'll choose the Jesus way. Oh, it's illogical at times. It's wild at times. It's adventurous at times, but it's exhilarating when the wind is at your back and you're going, God, even my finances are yours. I pray today that if God, like Philip maybe, is testing you and I, I pray that we'll pass the test and that we'll go his way. Jesus, we're going, we're going your way. Amen. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? Thank you for listening and engaging. 
Our best and brightest days are ahead of us. I'm so excited about this new season in our church. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you love Jesus. You love Jesus. But you'd say, you know, I've been kind of reverting to the old way when it comes to my finances. A lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of doubt, a lot of logic, a lot of reason. I've been kind of going the old way. And today I want to commit again in the area of my resources and finances to the Jesus way. Yield, trust, rely. With the wind at my back, I want to trust that Jesus is my provider. If that's you, would you lift up your hand real quick and say, man, that's me. I know God's talking to me today. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I pray for a peace to permeate your people. Right now, we declare you're enough. I pray a peace that passes logic, a peace that passes our checking account, our savings account, our bottom line, a peace that passes all understanding, I pray, will guard our mind and our hearts because of Jesus. I declare it today over your people. Jesus, you are enough. We trust you. We trust you. Secondly, if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, from Alderwood to Belltown to UD to Kirkland, right now you're here and you say, Judah, I want to know Jesus. This Jesus you've spoken of today. I want to be forgiven. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to have a relationship with God. All it takes is faith in Jesus. If you want to put your faith in Him and accept His forgiveness and accept His love, I want to include you in this closing prayer. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand on the count of three. You know who you are all over the city. Today's your day to be forgiven and find relationship with Creator God. One, two, three. Would you lift up your hand right now? Say, man, that's me. Thank you. Hands going up all over. Fantastic. It's awesome. Come on, church. Can we all pray together all over the city? Say, Lord Jesus, here's my life. It's yours. I love you. Thank you for taking my place, taking my punishment, giving me a brand new start. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Can we congratulate these who've made this decision?